Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. I mean, I don't, I don't know much. I could, if you want, I could call in Tim to fact check us. <laughs> Tell us about wrestling on this. I almost said Animorphs podcast, but I guess that's not technically true anymore. I mean, it is, right? I think it, I think it, and I think in this book, we're going to be talking about Animorphs a lot. Right. Because this was a fucking Animorphs book inside another book. Oh my God. Like, right? Yes. Like, Fuck. There's one chapter in particular. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. I know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. I literally was like, Marco? <laughs> oh, see, I was thinking. I was, ooh, I'm excited. I, I'm excited, too, because I feel like we're still talking about exactly the same chapter, though. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, this fucking part was so wild. It was so much. Like, jam-packed. Absolutely jam-packed. Like, a wild ride from start to finish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, the, the one, the one part, I was like, this is a children's book. I know. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Ooh. It yeah. We're like not even halfway through the second book. Like what other complete horrors does Catherine Applegate have in store for us moving forward? Because like hot fucking damn. I just I can't believe that she has the fucking, <laughs> I don't even know what, to bring back a character uh-huh. and then two chapters later <laughs> do what she did when I I had just buckled my seatbelt for uh-huh. a long flight of a lot of emotions. I was like, I'm in, strapped in, checked my harness, I'm ready to go. And then she was like... Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. But like, part of me kind of loved it. I don't know, I've, man. Oh, I was so happy. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want to deal with it. I just didn't like, it's one of yeah. those things where I'm like, thank you, Catherine. Now I'm going to have to like come on an emotional journey and be mature and blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, <laughs> nope. And I was like, oh, it's like when you get to school and it's like, and your homework for this weekend is enjoy it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Oh, God. 
shit. So much happened. So much. And I felt like every emotion, I think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. 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 And then, like, some of the best parts of Jake, too, were featured. That's that's what I was inferring, like, a little bit ago. When yeah, I was thinking I, of, like, the... <clears throat> yeah, I mm. thought you were. I thought mm. you were. It was just there was one bit that I was like, oh, I'm reading this in Marco's voice. But, like, absolutely, there was a Jake journey. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Kara. Oh, Kara. Yeah. I, lo- I love her so much. I love all of them, but, like... Oh. Yeah. This is this is a Kara part for me. Like, Kara and the- Tobble. Kara like- and Tobble? And then, like, Renzo has the guest feature of best line in the book. But, oh. Not best line. <laughs> line I was most excited about <laughs> as a person. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Like, okay. do we want to just, like, go for it? Yes! Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Because, like, again, so much shit happens in this part that, like, I kind of don't want to talk about it until it, like, happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should should start, though. Okay. So, they are traveling through these snowy fields, and Tobble's patron god was apparently very kind to them because they're able to pass unnoticed. Um, They are fucking freezing, though. And Renzo is complaining that he is cold and his toes are cold and he misses the horses. And then he stops himself and apologizes to Kara. And Kara's like, whatever, it's fine. And then we find out what happened to Valino. Thank God. Yes. My God. So apparently what happened is they had to sell the horses because they knew they were going into rocky terrain, which the horses would not be able to handle. Um... But Kara held on to Valino as long as she could because she didn't want to just, like, sell him to any old person. She wanted to find the right buyer. Um, mm-hmm. So th- we have a flashback to when they were walking and they passed by this young girl who apparently just came right up to Valino and was like, Oh, he's so handsome. Can I give him a sugar cube? And like, oh my gosh, he's so great. And there's a great joke where the girl asks if he likes sugar and Kara's like, Oh, Renzo? Yeah, he loves sugar. He'll eat more than his fair share. <laughs> Um, and the girl's name is Maylee, and she, like, pets the dogs, or the dogs in Bix cases, and it's, she's just really, really awesome, and they say goodbye to her, and they're walking for a bit, and then Kara just, like, about faces and turns around and runs back to her, and just, like, gets off Felino and hands her the reins and is like, okay, here's the deal, he likes meadow oats, and he needs to have all the burrs trimmed out of his tail, and he really likes being scratched behind the ears, And then, like, everyone else starts chiming in and is like, oh, yeah, he also likes apples. And he's really stubborn when it's cold in the morning. (laughs) And Maylee's just like, wait, 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 what the fuck? And they, like, give her Molino. And and as they're walking away, she's, like, crying into his mane. And Bix is like, why is she crying? Because apparently Darren's only cry when they're very, very sad. And Gambler's like... Humans cry for lots of reasons, but I believe she's crying because she's happy. And Bix looks over at Kara, who does not have tears in her eyes, but Bix knows that the pain is there. And that's the first fucking chapter! 
and so much happened that I was just like, I've, I didn't like forget about this, but like, it's just so much happens. Oh. She had been saving that sugar cube for a special occasion. Yeah. And then like coming across this horse was it. And like. And she, like, knew what breed he was, so obviously, like, she knew what she was talking about. Oh, my God. Oh, it was so sad and so good. It was. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I hope he comes back later. Fucking better. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll be like... On the on the verge of death in like this epic battle, and then Maylee will just come back on Bellino's back and be like, "Here we are." That would be insanity. Oof. Yes. Oh my god. I hope this isn't like a Black Beauty scenario where now like Bellino's gonna go on this journey and they're only gonna find him like years down the road when he's <gasps> like completely used up at a fair. Oh my because, god. Like Black Beauty. Was never like the like he it, all every sale was in his best interest. They like just kind of trusted the wrong person, or they fell on hard times. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just really afraid that Bellino is going to go on a similar journey, and then at the end, he'll be at the fair, and he'll see Kara walk by, and. He's just going to try to, like, nicker to her because he's going to think it's an illusion. But then she'll recognize it, and then he'll have to do, like, some quirk of his. (laughs) And then she'll recognize him and then take him and be like, now you'll always be safe here in this meadow, even though everything you've ever loved has died except me. Wow! Yep. But maybe, maybe we would get a spinoff book that's, like, from Valino's perspective as he goes on this journey. I I would read the shit out of that. I yeah. mean, absolutely. We could have a podcast crossover with Horse Girls. Oh my god, we could. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Oh my god. Uh. But, you know, I think I'm relieved, at least, to know that he is presumably in good hands. Yeah. And that they didn't oh, just yeah. like yeet him off into a field and it's like, go run away. We don't want you anymore. Just go like Airbud style. Cause I would have fucking, my heart would have broken. Hey, I have an update for you on um, Lord of the Rings. and brought him back to the Shire. <gasps> right? Oh. That's great. Right? It's so good. Oh so, my god. Where did you learn this? Uh, I I am part of like, like just one of those like algorithm things on social media. I am a part of like a Lord of the Rings news cycle. Well, I like, should hope I'm so. part of like, x-men news cycle i know and so it 
it popped up. It was like this, like, here's your, like, five daily facts from Lord of the Rings to, like, make you realize that they're still good in the world. And they were just, like, giving, like, happy shit that happened in Lord of the Rings. And one of them was, like... If you read the books, Bill goes back, or uh, Sam goes back to buy Bill the pony and takes him home. And I was like, oh my god. Yay! <laughs> I don't remember that. I've actually read Return of the King. But, like, to be fair, it's a very long book. A lot of shit happens in it. It's been, like, 20 years since I've read it. So, right. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it, like, popped up in this whole, like, happy things from the book. Oh, the other one was Legolas and Gimli go on a tour of all the places they went in Middle Earth when they were on the quest together, like just as buds. That that's because they're fucking boyfriends. I refuse. Because they're gay. <laughs> yes, I love it. I should enemies it. to lovers up in here. My favorite trope. <laughs> they that's- fucking. They retired to the Grey Havens together. Like, Legolas is like, okay, I'm, I'm an elf. I'm going to go to the Grey Havens. I'm going to need my best friend Gimli, my love of my life. Like, I love that. Oh. I love that more than anything. Listen, I don't know if that's what Tolkien intended. And as a very, like, you know, grew up <laughs> in, like, a boys-only school, went to war, very <laughs> boy-centric man. Uh-huh. I truly hope, for as bad as he was at writing anything about women, I truly hope that that is what happened in his Sub- mind. He was like, subtext. He's like, listen, I don't know anything about women, but I do know that when two men love each other very much, they go on amazing road trips because double income, no kids, fuck this, they're out. <laughs> In this case, anyway. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, some some people have kids, and that's a choice you can make. But you can also have no kids and have two incomes, so Woo! that's another choice you can make. Woo-hoo! Then again, I don't know where Gimli and Legolas would be getting their income from after <laughs> saving Middle Earth. What are their jobs? Oh. <laughs> like their jobs are to wander around and be like, I was one of the nine, but the good ones. Well, I mean, Legolas is a prince, right? So he's yeah. gotta be loaded. I guess. I mean, that- Gimli also is, like, isn't he pretty close to royalty? Yeah, he's, like, Thorin's cousin's yeah. nephew. And he was, like, whatever. king under the mountain or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're loaded. Okay. Yeah. Well, scratch everything I said. They can have as many children as they want. They are loaded. <laughs> and still do their traveling lifestyle. So that's truly the moral of the story is marry a prince. <laughs> Two princes marry each other. Princess. Two princes. Da, 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 da. Just go ahead now. Anyway. They go on amazing adventures, and that's what we should all strive for. Become royalty. Go Hell on yeah. adventures. Hell yeah. Oh my and that's God. the moral of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> And you know what? The other moral of the Lord of the Rings is if you like the pony, buy the fucking pony. Buy the fucking pony like Viggo Mortensen fell in love with that horse, bought that horse. That's right. Two of them. But one of them he gave away to the girl who really loved it. Oh my god, what a wholesome human being. He's the fucking best. I just love him so much. He's so... I want him to be my dad. I want him to be my everything. (laughs) 
can I adopt him as my dad? Yeah. I mean, you could just make that claim and no one can deny it. <laughs> like, they're going to be like evidence. You'll be like, no, it was out of wedlock. So they burned the papers and no one can argue with you. You can just say things. Yeah. Lying makes everything better. <laughs> yeah, that's the true moral of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Every time we do this now, I just think about poor Dan sitting there like, what the fuck are they talking about now? Oh, no. <laughs> This is just our subtle way of being like, hey, Dan, maybe you should go watch Lord of the Rings. It's a good time. <laughs> Dan, let us catch you up on the plot of... No, I want you to tell me what you think the plot of Lord of the Rings is based <laughs> off of everything we've said. Because <laughs> it's going to come back completely wrong. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a strong start. This is chapter one. <laughs> we've already we've already driven the car into the Lord of the Rings ditch, as it were. <laughs> yes, we have. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, are you ready for some Renzo backstory? Fuck yes, I am. It's the best. <laughs> It's the best. We're just FYI, we're about to go into X-Men territory right after this, so be prepared for that crash. Alrighty. <laughs> Man. Um, so the group eventually finds a tavern and some food and they gorge themselves, and Bix starts asking Renzo questions about his past, and apparently he never knew his father and his mother died when he was ten. And he survived by stealing food from stalls. And sometimes he got away and sometimes he didn't. And he recalls a time he jumped a 20-foot wall into a moat, got stuck in the mud, and captured. And they gave him 20 lashes. And then he takes off his shirt and shows them all of the gnarly scars on his back. And he's just, like, totally chill about it. He's like, oh yeah, these are all my cool scars from all the beatings I got. Um... And then he and then he goes on to say he got inducted into a gang and they're like basically like you need to steal for the gang, but you do not steal from the gang or you get your ass whooped. Um, and he's kind of like, yeah, the poor have very few choices in the world, which is a really like pertinent sentence mm -hmm. and kind of like a recurring theme throughout this part. Um and he actually got the leader of the gang captured and thrown in prison, even though he learned a lot from him. Um, but he got his revenge and his freedom that way. And Bix asks Renzo why he chooses to stay with them. And he's like, it's because of all the fucking sweet treasure we find. Duh. And Bix is like, yeah, that's a fucking lie. And he's like, you fucking dare. It's no wonder no one wants you around. And they laugh together and he <laughs> falls asleep. Um... And Bix falls asleep eventually after listening to everybody snoring around her. And she starts having dreams of this, like, mirror-smooth lake. And she's riding on top of Gambler's back and looking into the lake into her reflection. And then the wind kind of whips up and ripples her image around. Gambler disappears and the reflection changes to the face of a different Darren. Simba. 
Um, and the Darren whispers something to her in the Darren language, and it translates to, you are not alone. And then she tries to, like, control the dream using the Savrail method. I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah, so Savrail. And she can't really grasp the full thing. She kind of gets, like, flashes of, like, the lake and the feeling of the sand and the scent of the other Darren, which is somewhat familiar to her. And she wakes up and he recalls the words t- that he said to her, you are not alone. And that's the second chapter. It's baby, you're not alone. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he lives in that's... you. He lives in you. <laughs> okay. Let's cover the pertinent information first. Okay. One. They were all talking while sleeping, like, in beds next to each other, like (gasps) children at a slumber party. They were! And Kara and Gambler got their own room. They did. Which I, in my head, as soon as I read that, before I even knew about the slumber party shit, I was like, oh man, they are gonna be, like, gossiping hardcore. Like, those two, (laughs) those are the secret lives of the party at a slumber party. (laughs) I bet Gambler's like... So, what's going on with you and Renzo? And Carl's like, oh my god, shut up. Nothing. Fucking, he absolutely 1000% though. He stands them harder than we do. He does. And as soon as they're alone, he's like, okay, tell me what's going on. Like, you know. (laughs) And Uh, she would deny it, but he would know. She's like, I fucking hate that dude. (sighs) Why are you smiling then? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that was extremely important. Um, yes. Obviously, yeah. I the dream sequence obviously took most of my mental fortitude at this moment. <laughs> but we need to backtrack for a second because okay. Renzo is Gambit. Like that is Gambit's story. <laughs> really? It's very close. Like, and there's like. There's differences mostly at the end, but like Gambit did not know his parents that I think his mother died very young or he was abandoned. I'm sure there's like both versions in the X-Men canon and it's like blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he was abandoned on the street, stealing on his own. And one time he tried to steal from this guy who caught him. And that was the guild leader for the thieves in New Orleans. Are you fucking and kidding so, me? No. And so that guy took him in, raised him. And taught him how to steal, brought him up with the guild, and then eventually he split from the guild. Now, this is where the story gets a little different because he doesn't get him, like, thrown in jail. What ended up happening was he was set to be married to the Assassin's Guild princess. Shit happened at their wedding. The brother got killed in a minor altercation because the families had been feuding forever. And then he left in disgrace. So that's where it goes astray. But the very beginning of the story... Is yeah. basically Gambit's story. That's amazing. Right? So, I was like, listen, we all know what you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ignoring the fact that, like, there's a whole bunch of, like, fantasy books. Like, I think it's Brandon Sanderson's series that yeah. has that exact thing. Like, I know this is everywhere, but, like, in my mind, I choose to believe <laughs> that it's from X-Men. I mean, we were calling him Gambit from the very beginning. Yes, Just we as, were. like, a joke. And Although, yet, here we are. Yeah. Although I do agree with you. Like, I feel like that's a pretty common, like, thief backstory. But, yeah. like, 
it like it usually fucking works for the thief character. Like it's a really good backstory that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, and it it's gonna set up this whole thing for later with like he got the leader of this group of thieves put in jail so he has enemies somewhere that everybody like they're gonna hit a town where he's gonna be like yo goodbye i'll meet you on the other side oh my god right yeah for sure there was there were so many parts of this book and kind of in the last book too where it's like something is so clearly like this is a setup for something to happen later and i'm just i love that I love that, but I'm also so thrown back on my heels because of what happens later in this book, which I read as another one of these, oh, this is a setup for something happening later, and then it fucking wasn't. So now I'm like, but what are you going to do to me, Catherine? You have me all, like, freaked out. I can't predict what's going to happen anymore because you're, you're just pulling punches that I didn't expect. Oh, my God. Yeah, that I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Christ. Jesus, Catherine, I wasn't prepared for this today. You can't do this to me. I don't know why I went, like, more, more, more <laughs> out there for a second. Can't do talk. this to me, John! You can't do this to me, Catherine! <laughs> this is not what I expected to happen with this book. <laughs> baby. It's the baby. It's the baby. The baby. Uh, Oh, fucking A. Watch Schitt's Creek if you haven't already. It's wonderful. Oh my god, please go. Please watch Schitt's Creek. Oh, Schitt's Creek is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, so they leave the next day. They pay for the food and the lodging using one of the stones from the crown that they stole. um, Yeah. Which I love, and this is a reoccurring thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're walking through the snow again and they see a large body of people ahead and Bix resumes dog formation. Um, <laughs> and she smells humid filth and eventually um, they see that it is a guy riding a horse, a big gray feel of it, and a bunch of humans that are all like chained together. And one of these humans is our dear friend Luca. Dun 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 dear friend pretty fucking loosely yes 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 <laughs> as facetiously as i can oh that's probably not the right word for that the right use of that word but whatever uh it's it's good so before we go any further i thought the Murdano like sent luca away but that directly contradicts some stuff that he tells us later whatever um Anyway, he but looks like, like. Were we told that, or did we assume that? I think I don't. I don't remember. I feel like he just got like. I don't even know. He wasn't even dragged away. Just uh, Arachnic was. I that's would... that's true. Maybe Murdano was like, "You get the fuck out of my sight," and he just like left. Maybe. Which yeah, would... I feel like we okay. maybe made some leaps that didn't yeah, actually happen. I think I was conflating it with Arachnic. That's right. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he looks like shit. He's, like, filthy, and his shoes are all fucked up, and he, like, does not even notice these, this party of people that he knows. He's just, like, staring straight at the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, the feel of it scowls at them, but then when it sees Gambler, it, like, swings to the side 
and like avoids them, which I think is set up for something later. Gambler, what did you do? Gambler, what the fuck did you do? Gambler, are you a prince too? I bet he is. I bet he's a very. I bet... <sighs> he's a very important feel of it. He probably is. Absolutely. Like, I think this was absolutely, like, foreshadowing right here. That's why I kept it in. Um, yeah. So the party moves on, and then Kara suddenly stops, and Bix is like, I already know what you're going to ask. The answer is yes. <laughs> and Renzo's like, no, 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 no. That guy's a fucking traitor. And Gambler's like, well, I would not see any creature in chains. And Tobble agrees with that, but he says, but Luke is not to be trusted. Um, Gambler suggests that they actually free all of the prisoners. Renzo does not agree with this, but <laughs> he hands Kara three of the stones from the crown and she goes back to haggle with the guy and then bribes him into freeing all the prisoners and they all scatter and she comes back with Luca and they give him some food, but they are like, we are not friends. You fucking suck. Like we did this cause we pitied you. And mm-hmm. Gambler's like one wrong move from you and I will absolutely murder you. And Kara says, not if I don't murder him first, which I loved. <laughs> so he, like, walks with them for a while, and nobody's talking to him. And eventually he starts asking questions, and he's like, are you heading to the Barragas Ford? And are you still looking for the sentient island that you got close to in Nadara? Because apparently he's been following them this whole time. And Bix is like, what would you have done if you had caught up with us? And he's like... He tells the truth this time because he knows he can't lie. It's it's fruitless to lie. And he's like, I would have captured you. Um, I would have given you to the Murdano. Sorry, I'm like trying to catch up on my notes. He says no, that's okay. He says he would have captured Bix, given her to the Murdano. He would have taken Kara's sword and delivered it to his father to help inspire the people and raise an army to defend the Murdano in the war. And Kara's like, that is only half of an answer. Would you have surrendered the sword to the Murdano? And he does not say anything. Um, and Kara says, you just would have waited until the right time to turn against the Murdano and put your father on the throne. And Luca kind of laughs disdainful and he's like, we all have dreams. Even you, Kara Sand of the Donatis. And Bix expects Kara to refute this, but Kara says nothing. Dun dun dun. And that's the end of that chapter can we for just like there was sorry you gasped no 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 i was i was groaning okay i know that there's a lot to unpack at the end there with kara lying by omission and them getting luca to respond but can we for a second just visit the whole concept of the only person that didn't want to free a bunch of people that were was in chains was a person most likely to also be in that scenario and hope that somebody took pity and freed him from yeah, that position? Yeah, that was interesting. That was super interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. Hang on. Did yeah. Renzo and Luca ever meet? Yeah, they traveled together. They were running together from the fire night. Oh no, shit. Um. Because I thought. No. I thought Luca betrayed them. And right, they, they left him. They met up with Renzo after. Yeah. Mm. So, like, I I assumed that they told Renzo, like, oh, yeah, we were traveling with this douchebag Luca. And so right. that's how he knows. But, like, he, like, really fucking hates Luca. 
Which, I mean, you know, he should, but... But, both of them were tailing this group for a while. Did they have an interaction that we <gasps> don't know about yet? Hmm. Or, yeah, like, maybe Renzo was, like, hiding out somewhere, and he caught Luca in a field, like, monologuing or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is my evil plan that I'm going to say out loud for everybody. I mean, they wouldn't have had much time right, to be together. But like, it would have just been... Yeah. But like, Luca could have been... Like, when they were... Luca was traveling with them under the impression that he was actually not a douchebag. And then, you know, at some point they all could have been camping somewhere and Luca could have snuck off somewhere, done his monologue, and Renzo, who was already following them overheard or something mm-hmm. so like they could have had an interaction mm-hmm. while luca was traveling with Kara and bix absolutely but this is possible this is possible i don't know this, is... this could also be reaching uh maybe but like he he really does hate them a lot for somebody who's although then again he's immediately super protective of everybody in this group and like he's already been telling Bix like oh I'm just here for the cash and that's a lie so he's clearly invested so like also when hmm. remember in the last book when Bix would question Luca and he was like dodging the questions a lot but when she was asking Renzo things he was just like being brutally honest even if he, it made him look yeah. bad maybe Renzo also just really dislikes the fact that that Luca is like a slimy snake and dishonest. Like maybe Yeah, like they're yeah. foils, so they just hate each other because they're opposites. Right. That could be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And then there's the whole thing about like for I mean, okay, so the reveal of like Kara is lying by omission because she too wants the Donati to like come back in power or at least like restore some sort of honor so that she's not like her family's in <laughs> disgrace forever. I just don't feel like that's that big of a reveal. Mm-hmm. Like obviously she wants that. No, she never said it out loud, but like obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I feel like it was vague enough that it's implying that there might be something a little more sinister to it. Like, what? She already said she was going to straight up sell Bix, and like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't... Like, yeah, I think you're totally right. It was set up like that, but I just can't imagine what it would be. Sure. That's like, more... Sin- like, what is now she going to be like, well, I'm going to go back and sell the location of the Darren Island to like make some money for my family. Like, no, she's she's not... Like, that's not going to happen, right? I wouldn't think so at this point. I wouldn't think so at this point. I think she's cool at this point, but... I hope she's cool at this point. Yeah. She's Hmm. she's got a coup in her heart. She wants to (laughs) get the Murdano out of there. Well, but, like, she keeps saying, like, throughout that, like, this war is not our problem. Like, this is not any of our business. And it seems like she's trying to, like, stay out of that whole situation. But maybe that, like... But, like, Bix is, like, the war is all of our business. Yeah. 
I, I feel don't like what know. she's saying is at odds with what she's doing. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a bird. <laughs> yeah, there's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, Luke is the fucking worst, and I hate him. I was gonna ask, like, how did you feel about them helping him? Very bad. I was <laughs> Team Renzo all the way. I was like, oh, he's gonna go work in the mines? Well, maybe you shouldn't have been such a dick. <laughs> so, I, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Uh... Don't, like, don't do crimes and then be mad when you have to serve the crime. And we're not talking about, like, the current justice system in the USA. I'm talking about in this <laughs> children's fantasy book. <laughs> Luca committed a terrible crime. I love that specification. <laughs> I just don't want you to think that, like, I've gotten, like, weirdly fucking like right wing on something here when I'm just very specifically talking about Luca. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I don't shit. like what Luca did and I think he should be punished for it. And Yay. that's me. I'm the judge, the jury, the executioner, and I don't give a fuck. Luca's a piece of shit. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but it's expensive and attached to a boom arm. So I can't just rip it off the table and throw it. <laughs> that would sound horrific. Oh, yeah. Ooh, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> oh. Okay. Any- yeah. Anything else about this chapter? No, I'm- I think I've exhausted everything I have to say. Okay, cool. Um, So they spend the night in this beautiful ice field that's covered in these wonderful snow blossoms. Um, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Sparkles. Um, They settle down, make camp, and Lucas starts asking questions about where they're going. And everybody's just fucking ignoring him. And he's... Good. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, um, And he goes on to say, like, I studied the area. Like, I can guide you. And Renzo's like, I also know the area, and we don't need your help. And Kara's like, yeah, you would just lead us into another trap. And Luke is like, look, I have no friends in this country. Like, I'm not going to do anything. And he goes on to explain that he followed them for a while. And then he ran out of food and money and he got arrested for stealing food. Hmm, sounds familiar. Um, Sounds familiar. Almost like an arc that would lead to a hero's tale if you weren't already such a piece of shit. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay if Renzo steals food. It's not okay if you do it. Listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> let, let me backwards ask justify this to you in a way that's entirely self-serving and not rooted in logic. And that is that it's not the stealing of food that makes you a criminal. Right. It's the betraying of your friends. Right. I stole a loaf of bread. <laughs> Street rat. <laughs> Sorry. Christ almighty. Um, so yeah, he stole food. He got caught. He got sold to a bond seller. And he was going to work in the mines until he died. Until this per- particular party rescued him. Bix confirms that this is all the truth. 
Uh, Kara says that she took pity on Luca, but she does not believe him. And Bix also notes that that is a lie. Um, Kara asks him if the Murdano sent more soldiers after them. Luca says he doesn't know. That's the truth. Um, and he says the Murdano would not send new soldiers after them into Drayland with the war blueing, blueing, brewing. Jesus. Gambler agrees with him. Sorry, this is a lot of boring political shit. Um, uh, and he says he can lead them to the Barragas Ford. Bix would be, would make sure he stayed honest. And Renzo basically tells him to fuck off, which is great. And Luca gives up and he goes and sits by himself to think about what he's done. <laughs> and Bix is like, I'm going to go get some more info out of him. And Gambler comes along for insurance. Um, so they sit down to start talking to him and Luca tells them about the rogue feel of it, Kazar Sigdrit, and how he is so much worse than the Murdano. He's diverted rivers to turn into Harbor's first fleet. He's forced people under his thumb and imprisoned so many people in his dungeons that there's no more room and they are now housed in outdoor camps patrolled by the Terramants. And Gambler's like, hang on, the Terramants don't serve anybody. And Luca's like... Yeah, except that the Khazar has destroyed their food supply and poisoned the ground and forced their hand into serving him. Um, mm-hmm. Then Lucas starts like contemplating the snow blossoms that he's surrounded by, and he talks about how they're an invasive weed that takes over and makes other things, you know, die and harder to survive, kind of like humans and filavets. And Gambler is like, hashtag not all filavets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, if that's not the hashtag for this episode, then I don't know what I'll do. But it'll be violent. Violence. I will do a violence. I'll uh, sing more Aladdin if you don't make this the hashtag. <laughs> um, Bix once again talks about how pointless war is and Luca, like kind of is condescending to her and he says war is a means to an end people do it for power and darren's won't be the only extinct species there's going to be lots more humans are more efficient than nature when it comes to killing things off um and he tells her to write down everything that she knows about darren's in the notebook he gave her um for the purpose of scholars to study once the darren's are finally dead and Gambler's like, I'm about to murder this dude, so let's get out of here. And they just leave him sitting in the field of dangerous blossoms. Okay. So, there's so many questions I have for you. Yes. Let's start with the easiest. Why were these dangerous blossoms? Just because they too would take over, like, the humans or whatever? Yeah, because they're an invasive species that strangle other things. I mean, they just seem like a native species to me. They only bloom in the moonlight, which, like, you know, if it's overcast, it just feels like they're not that invasive. But that's neither here nor there. Do you think this is a magical notebook of some sort that will be <gasps> transferring the Darren secrets to someone? Oh! I do. Oh my god, maybe. But that would involve, like, a theurgic spell, and we know that Luke is a shitty wizard. So Luca's a shitty wizard, but we don't like we know Luca gave Bix the notebook. We right. don't know where it's from. And Renzo, I know what you're thinking. Renzo can sense Thurgy, but like what if there's that something about it? I mean that yeah, that could be 
Yeah? It just it just seemed really shady that he's like, hey, do you still have that notebook I gave you? Like, if he had have said, like, I, it was the way it was introduced. That makes me think it's sinister. Oh, that's a good point. Because, yeah, it's brought up a couple of times, like, not mm-hmm. not in this book, but, like, you know, previously, after they cut ties with Luca, I feel like they... Yeah. He's, yeah. like, very intense. Like, you need to be writing in this notebook every day. <gasps> Everything. Alex. All of the Darren stuff. I really think that there's something sinister about this notebook. Oh, that's interesting. I did not catch that, but I'm thinking about it now. Um... That was actually, um, that was actually, like, a plot point in the book you gave me, In Deeper Waters, by F.T. Lukens. They had a, ma- a secret evil book. They had, like, a magic notebook communication tool in there, too. Anyway. Sweet. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good theory. I like that. Yeah. I just, I just really think there's something going on with that notebook, because Luca's super weird about it. Chuck it! Chuck it, Bix! Chuck it. Chuck it into the ocean, never to be seen again, Jumanji style. And then the Natites will find it, and they'll be cursed. And they'll be cursed forever, and then they'll have a stampede of animals in their houses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, In the jungle, you must wait until they roll a three or eight. (laughs) Fuck you, Natites. I don't even know if that was the actual rhyme on the Jumanji board, but it seems cool. Close enough. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about in the blade ship you must wait, I, which I think was one of the funnier jokes I've made. Uh, I don't even remember the context, but I just remember saying it. I don't even remember the context either, but that's great. Ugh. Ugh, fuck. So yeah, Luca's still a piece of shit. Still a piece of shit. Still a piece of shit. I honestly was amazed that they, like, weren't, like, if you're camping with us, we're gonna, like, tie you up at night, because we don't fucking trust you. Yeah! Yeah. Like, yeah, they seemed a little bit loose with with keeping him around. And I'm- And, I, like, Gambler's pretty good at that shit, but still- I'm actually kind of shocked that Kara didn't just, like, free him and be like, okay, fuck off now, bye. Absolutely. I, I'd be like, go. See where all these other people are going? Go fuck off with them. Goodbye. Yeah, like, I guess I was a little confused as to why they let him tag along. I guess just to, <laughs> just to kick off the-, the character arc that he goes through. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay wow we're halfway through the podcast we're not even at anything okay god all right we're not even at anything i we've done so much we know what happened to valino there's a magic notebook they've rescued lucas so much has happened and we're not even part way there i mean we're not beholden to the two-hour time limit anymore but it's true this is true. this part had so much okay 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 i'm gonna go because okay. shit's about to get intense all right um, so Luca leads him to the ford, and they find a lot of footprints, and they think the army has crossed it recently. They cross the frigid water, and Gambler apparently had to psych himself up and then run across it very quickly, which I thought was really <laughs> adorable. Um, mm-hmm. and they are about 60 or 70 leagues from the coast, and 
as they go on, they come across this like crimson forest where all the all the trees are really strange and they have these like red leaves to them. And Kara's like, okay, we need to cover our tracks once we get in there. Um, and Bix asks why the snow can't cover their tracks. And Renzo says, it would not fool an experienced Kara like, say, or what? Sorry, let me take another round. <laughs> I fucked Sorry, my words up. that sentence is hilarious. I fucked like, all of my words up. I felt like I was having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Shit. Okay. All right. Renzo says it would not fool an experienced tracker like Kara. And she kind of smiles at this compliment. And that's literally the only reason I kept this in. Yep. Because it was fucking yep. cute. And we love to adorable. see it. It was adorable. I fucking... I love all the little hints. It's so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is just rising tension to no conclusion. I apologize. Oh, it was great. I... Uh, okay uh so Tobble's like why do we have to follow our tracks like who's following us what oh my god i'm sorry i'm fucking suffering <laughs> i don't even know what i'm fucking saying anymore okay i'm actually it's gonna beautiful <laughs> i keep fucking my words up am i an it's art this is fucking art no it's not it's bad <laughs> it's beautiful i love it oh this is gonna be <laughs> fucking read a fucking page all right <laughs> tobble asks who is following them and kara is like you can't be too careful and shoots luca a dark look um and bix starts thinking about why kara rescued him even though she didn't like him or trust him or forgive him and she launches into this really great paragraph about why can't everything just be clear why is everything complicated instead of clear-cut why is it gray instead of black and white why is happiness tinged with sorrow and anger with pity like just just, just lay it all out Catherine. like straight like, up are we reading an animorphs book or what oh my fucking god right everything is gray nothing is black and white the animorphs literally TM, TM, TM. She's just like put it in there she's like i'm not fucking around i'm just gonna say it and it's great I loved it. And, like, literally, the we read, like, this exact shit from Rachel when she was like, why is everything so fucking hard instead of just right or wrong? Like, this was legitimately, like, this was just a repurposed Rachel rant. Yep. And I was here for it. Yep. Same. Love that. Ugh. Loved it so much. Ugh. Yes. So good. So Perfect. good. Yeah, this is, like, the most Animorphs part that we've read so far. For sure. <laughs> um, so they reach this forest, and they immediately sense that something is wrong. It smells weird, kind of like ammonia, and the tree branches are sort of bowed and droopy. Renzo touches a tree, and he's like, this is vibrating. And Bix also touches it. She feels this, like, deep pulsing within the ground. There's, like, no fallen branches on the ground. There's no bushes or anything it's just flat and they're like this is fucking weird like let's get out of here um bix is like luca did you know that this forest was here and he's like no and if it were up to me i would leave right now and then gambler stands to alert and he says he hears something and bix hears it too chapter break 
<sighs> yeah. This one I feel like we should just keep going. This one gets fucking yes. intense. Okay. Okay. I'll just launch into the next one. Um, they start hearing this soft slithering sound and Bix and Gambler are just like, run. So they all start running, which is difficult because it's now very dark and they can hear the slithering sounds as if it were right behind them. At some point, Kara draws her sword and says they have to stand and fight and they all get ready. And then the sounds stop. And they stand there for a minute listening and nothing happens. So Kara sheaths her sword and tells them to move on. And as they keep moving, the slithering sounds return and they all break into a run. And Bix sees something out of the corner of her eye. It's like a long creature with very short wings and it flies towards them. And Renzo grabs the shield and holds it up. The creature hits it and knocks him to the ground but flies away. Um, They keep moving and Bix goes to take a step and realizes that she is standing over nothing and she is starting to fall into this giant hole. And Renzo tries to grab her, but she falls in. She's screaming. She falls about 50 feet before she remembers she has glissairs. And she spreads them, but they're not good for flying, only for gliding. And she starts gliding down the, in this tight curve, trying not to slam into anything. But then she eventually decides that maybe she does want to slam into something. So she flies straight until she hits the side of the, of the hole. And she's just grappling and falling and trying to grab anything that will stop her fall. Finally, she grabs, like, a tree root. And she's just, like, sitting there for a little bit. And then she hears her friends start to cry out and shout. And she knows there's some sort of battle going on up there. Um, She doesn't really know what she can do. She can't hold the root for much longer. And she decides that the only thing she can really do is glide to the bottom of the hole. Um, and then she looks up into the mouth of the hole and she sees the branches of the trees are starting to move. And suddenly they are no longer branches. They are giant worms and they start falling around her into the cave. And these things are apparently huge. The smaller ones are like the size of her arm and the bigger ones are as long as a spear and thick as a tree trunk. And she hears her friends, like, crying out, and this torrent of worms is causing them to fall into the hole, and she sees them, like, one by one just, like, fall past her. And finally, Tobble falls, and she just, like, releases the wall and leaps through the air and grabs his tail, and she starts gliding down to, like, slow their fall. Um... And she looks up again, and she sees Luca standing at the lip of the hole, and she thinks, he betrayed us again. But then, oh my god, she immediately regrets it because something hits him from behind. He is wrapped in tentacles. He starts screaming. She hears the sound of bone crushing. And she screams as she sees his bloody body fall into the fucking pit. What the actual fuck? Yep. Yep. (laughs) I I was like... Excuse me? <laughs> I had the same thought along the lines of, of um, excuse me. <laughs> and like the beautiful moment of Bix being like, you betrayed us. Oh no, you just got fucking murdered and yeeted into a pit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know either. He's fucking dead. He's dead 
as fuck. And he got killed from, like, a sky murder beast that, like, nobody saw coming. Yeah! He died in, like, literally the most unexpected way that could ever be. And, like, here's the other thing. Like, without trying not to, like, jump ahead, there was that moment at the end where, like, right up until his death, they're all like, traitor, traitor, traitor. And then at the moment of his death, it's, like, all this guilt over, like, actually, it turns out he wasn't. But it's not like Luca gets a moment where he was, like, mortally wounded and they have that forgiveness. He was just there and then he was fucking dead. And they're never gonna have closure because of that. But I kind of love that. Because that I yeah that feels very much like real life like very much so yeah like unexpected death just like I it's such it's such a Catherine and Michael death I feel like you know like yes it's like oh my god like they don't fuck yeah. around they're like oh you thought. You, you, podcasting idiots over there, you thought there was going to be, like, this epic battle at the end between, like, Luca and Kara, and you thought he was going to go through this, like, Kylo Ren piece of shit sort of arc. No! He fucking gets killed by a flying Cthulhu monster and falls into a pit in a bloody heap. Like, what the actual goddamn fuck? Yeah. And, like, this is where I had, like, a breakdown. I was, like... Because, like, this whole thing was set up, like, right? Like, Luca is back with them. We're, I'm like, oh, of course, we're gonna, they're gonna try to have the redemption arc. And, like, I was like, I'm not here for it. Like, I was having the same fucking fit as Bix and Kara. Like, <laughs> I'm not here for this. I'm gonna hate him forever. You can't do anything to change my mind. And I was, like, fighting Catherine. And she was like, all right, fuck him then. <laughs> and I was like, no, wait, I wasn't ready for that either. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Like, I, this is, okay, this is so perfect because what I feel, uh, okay, let me see if I can organize my thoughts into <laughs> a jumble. Um, <laughs> wait, that made no sense. Organize my thoughts into a jumble. Welcome, the to, welcome to the madness that I'm experiencing today. <laughs> I feel like we're both slowly losing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh so, anyway, okay, so the, so I've been having this whole thing about books recently of, like, what are true feeling conversations and what are not. And specifically around, like, deaths or goodbyes or blah, 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 like that. And, like, it started when I was really thinking about the game A Quiet Year because, like, mm -hmm. part of the rules are you have to have conversations that have no conclusion. Because that's what happens. And so I, I've just been really, like, appreciating when I see that in books. Because most of the time it's, like, everything's so, like, normalized and complete. And, like, you know, beginning, middle, end. Like, we structure everything so much when we write it. Uh -huh. And, like, this was just the perfect example of something that Catherine and Michael do. Which is, this is an end. And there's no mourning, there's no big speech, there's no great goodbyes. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that is given to this character. They're there, and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. And that's life. And 
I fucking love that. And if how you get that is that you do not go to school to become a writer, you just fucking do it, then nobody should be allowed to go to school to be a writer. <laughs> because this is fucking perfect. <gasps> yeah! I, <laughs> I just... They do this thing where they they set things up and they leave you little crumbs of foreshadowing in the beginning and it you know most of the time it like pays off at the end and it creates like this nice tight like package but then then they throw in shit like this where it's like this was the last thing i expected to happen mm-hmm. and it just i love that so much because I've been reading a lot of books this past year, and I kind of feel like there's a lot of them that are just very, very formulaic. Where it's like, YA contemporaries are, like, you know, very formulaic, and, like, YA fantasy, like, very formulaic. Like, it's, they always hit same certain beats. But, like, I never feel that way with anything that I've read by these two. Yeah. It's just, I completely agree. It's just and and I just I love that they do have that whole like oh like we didn't go to school for writing like we just started doing it like cuz not a lot of people can do that. Like there's so many people out there who want to be writers and they can't write. I'm probably one of them. But like you just <laughs> you are not. I just like I just love their approach to writing so much. They're just like, we're not going to sugarcoat this shit. We're just going to fucking tell you like it is. And we're going to like rip these people out of your life and kill them because that's what life is like. And I just, it's so, it's so unlike anything else I've ever read. And it's just amazing. (sighs) Yeah. Oh my God. You're so right. Like They're, they're incredible. Like, you look at these fucking book covers and you're like, oh, it's going to be this cool, like, like, sweet sort of fantasy or whatever. And we've gotten so much fucking, like, brutal mutilation in this fucking kid's book already. Like. I, yeah. And, like, you know what's wild to me is that, like. A few years ago, I sat in a bookstore and listened to her read the first chapter of this <laughs> book. And I could not have predicted a single fucking thing that we've read from that. Oh my god. My god. My god. They're just... They're, they're just incredible people. And like... Whatever Michael Grant's like, oh yeah, some of the stuff that we snuck into those Animorphs books, I can't believe they let us do that. My dude, you're still doing it! <laughs> like, nothing has changed in that aspect. Oh. Yeah. I, oh my uh, god. And like, I just, I just feel like I've read, like, dystopian like, future shit, like, Hunger Games and, like, Scythe by Neil Schusterman. And, like, there's some, like, pretty gnarly stuff in there. 
But like, mm-hmm. there's something about Apple Grant books that go so much harder, and it's for a much like younger audience. Like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're completely right. And like, now I'm like thinking about like so many other books that I've read, like just so much other media that I've consumed. And there's so few moments that go as hard as they do. Yeah. And like, I think the other thing I love is that like, I've never really read another letter from the author that instead of being like, I'm sorry, is like, actually, fuck you. Go vote, motherfuckers. <laughs> fuck off. Like, I have never read such a fucking gangster letter from the writers before. <laughs> oh my god, they're so punk rock. Oh my god. They are so punk rock. Like, listen, a punk is not a fucking degen in a hotel room smashing everything and ODing. Punk is alive and well, and it's in California smoking cigars in the backyard by the pool and having meetings with Scholastic. That's where you can find punk nowadays. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. Dear God. So, Luke is fucking dead. Um, fucking dead as shit. He's, he's a bloody pulp. He's he's not just dead. He is mutilated and dead. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. All right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go into the next chapter because this is where we yeah, find out he's yeah. actually like fucking mutilated. Um, yeah. So, Fix and Tom will hit the bottom of the hole and... The sheer amount of worms that have fallen before them have cushioned their fall, so they're fine. So Bix starts calling out for her friends, and she even calls out to Luca. And she sees something lying in a pile of worms, and Tobble actually grabs her and holds her back, and he's like, no, trust me, you don't want to see that. And she knows it's Luca, and she knows it's really bad, especially when Tobble turns and literally, like, throws up. Like, that's all you need to know to know that it is... Is it's not good. This was like the only adult hand in the book because we're in Bix's perspective being like, we're going to shield you from some of this. Yeah. Like, we're not going to shield you from the reality of the situation. We're going to shield you from some of the gore. Yeah. Like, we're not going to describe in detail what he looks like mm-hmm. now. Because, yeah. But just knowing that it's that bad is like, it's like the intent. Ah. You still feel that. Um, uh, absolutely. And then it gets worse. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so Tobble, after he throws up, he's like freaking the fuck out. He can't breathe. He's like panicking. And Bix is trying to calm him down. And she's like, don't worry. The worms don't really want to hurt us. And Tobble is like pointing and looking past her and crying out. And she turns around and she is face to face with a terramant. And she's like, well, I guess we're going to die. And she's like trying to shield Tobble from it. But luckily it doesn't seem to care. And it heads towards Luca's body and carries what's left of it away down a tunnel. 
Yep. That's what it says in the book. Oof. Oofa doofa ouchie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Damn. <laughs> Baby's first body horror. Okay. <laughs> I was ruined years ago. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Bix says that they have to follow it. And Tobble says he is too afraid and they are too small. And Bix kind of grabs his shoulders and she says, we would be smaller still if we didn't go after our friends. Which is a great fucking sentence. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that. I love that too. Um, and Tobble seems to appreciate that as well. Cause he kind of like gets a hold of himself and he asks her to lead on. And Bix is like, me? Lead? I don't like that. Um, and she tries her best to look confident and Tobble's like, it's okay. I know you're as scared as I am. And she's like, bitch, I'm probably more scared than you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they start off down the tunnel and they're noticing that these tunnels have these like slick walls and they're weirdly straight and symmetrical. And this is not a natural tunnel. It is probably made by the Terramance. Um, and then she kind of has... Like, flashback to when she was young and she was taught to fear Felivets. And she has since learned that the Felivets stopped hunting Darrens when they discovered that the Murdana was trying to exterminate them. And she thinks about all the governing species and how the Terramants were the absolute weirdest. And she kind of describes what they look like. Their triangular heads and their spider legs and their pincers. And just, like, how foreign and alien they were. And her parents had told her never to judge... A species based on appearance and you know every species had its place in the world and balance and all that shit but despite all that terramans were absolutely fucking hideous still <laughs> Ugh. um and as they continue down this hallway there are these like glowing green goo balls that are set in the walls at regular intervals to light their way and eventually they reach the end of the slope that they're walking down they smell more ammonia and they hear the gnashing and clicking of chewing flesh, and Tobble screams, Oh no, look! <laughs> and I'm just gonna keep going, because it's like... These chapters keep, like, dropping off at these, like, suspense moments. Um, yeah. So, it's another Terramant. Um, again, doesn't really care that they're there. Barely even notices them. It's eating the worms that were crawling down the hall after them. And Bix is like, Okay, I guess we're just gonna go around him? And luckily this works. He doesn't really care. Um, they find a bunch of branching tunnels and each one is actually a deep depression with like three or five terramants in each of them. And they're all eating the worms. And they, again, none of these terramants care about this Darren and this Wabak. Um, Tobble's like, this is all disgusting. I fucking hate this. And Bix is like, I wonder what's going to happen if I call out for Kara. So she does. And the terramants don't care. Um, and she figures, like, okay, this is good. If the Terramets don't care about us, then they probably didn't care if our friends came through here. And Tobble's kind of looking around and he's like, this doesn't feel right. Like, I don't think this is how they live normally. And Bix agrees, but she also acknowledges that she doesn't know anything about Terramets. Um, And they wonder if the Terramets can understand common tongue. Tobble tries to talk to one and there's no response. And then from behind them, they hear a voice say, some of us speak the common tongue. And they turn around and there's another Terramant. And Bix cannot for the life of her figure out how this thing is talking. 
It's not moving its mouth parts. It's just speaking very articulately to them in the common tongue. Um, it's like absolutely moving air through like various sacs or body parts to create this noise. I'm convinced Ooh, of it. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yes. I want taxonomy of the teramints. <laughs> Teramin taxonomy. Who your sights? Oh, yes, I'm a scholar from the... Th- Fuck off, Luca. Oh, wait, he's dead. Fuck off. Fuck off, Luca. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, like... So this next, like, batch of conversation is literally Bix, like, asking the same questions, and it's giving her only the answer to the question and is not elaborating at all, so I'm just gonna, like, sum up the information that we're actually getting from this Terraman. Um... So she introduces herself in Tobble. The Terramat says that they have no instructions in regards to what to do with Darren's and Wabics. Um, the other governing species are to be taken to the two and the three. His name is 78 of 18th Hive of the group 13. The dead human was killed by a defender of the forest, a creature of the Khazar Sigdrit. The survivors are with the two and the three. They are holding them for the presentation to the foreman. Um, and the foreman is the one that feeds and uses the terramants. And at this last point, Bix senses something in his inflection similar to, like, resentment or dislike. And she remembers the conversation with Luca about how terramants will serve humans only if they are starving. Um, she asks what the foreman will do to her friends. And the answer is that if they are useful, he'll make thralls of them. If they are not useful, he will kill them all. Yay! Whee! Yeah. I I wonder if the Terramits are actually named in that naming convention, or if this is like they are named in that naming convention because they are being controlled by the Khazar. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah, because that brings up a lot of questions that like we don't know about their life cycles, because Mm -hmm. like... If they take, I mean, they said that there was young ones that were small that were helping to build this tunnel. So I yeah. guess we can assume that they're being bred. Yeah. But like, how old, how long do they live? Like they're bugs, so probably not long. But they're giant bugs. But they're giant bugs. And they're clearly like a mix of Taxon and Horkbisher for sure. Oh my god. They make poop-coated tunnels. They do, like... That's what taxing Literally, like, yeah, like, in the next part, they're talking about how they built the tunnels, and they're using, like, their own saliva or, like, vomit to, like, coat the walls. And I'm like, I am just getting, like, like, taxing vibes here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Tobias when he, you know, did his thing. And, yeah, I just, I, yeah. Yep. More Animorphs. And them making these, like, perfectly straight tunnels that go down into the earth. Like, they straight up did that, because that's how they got both uh, Elfangor in the yellow convertible, and then later Jake (gasps) in the, what was it, a bug or whatever? They got him down there in that. Oh, that's right! Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I've forgotten so much about Anwars. Like, literally the other day, like, Nate was like, hey, remember when this happened? And I was like, fucking no, I don't! Absolutely not, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Or, like, earlier today when someone in the Discord asked, uh, do you remember Rachel and Tobias' first kiss? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't, actually. I just remember, Here's- I just remember there was, like, a lot of racism happening, and then they made out. <laughs> I was like, oh, it must be Mega Mars 3. 
Ah, the, yes, of course. The one with all the racism in it. The one with all the racism. And then again, like, there's fake outs too, right? Like, wasn't it at the end of... It was either at the end of the Starfish book or the Pemolite ship underwater book that they, like, flew to the top of a cliff face and were, like, hanging out up there together. Just the two of them. Yeah. So, like... I feel like there's implied kissing way earlier. Uh-huh. But the first on-screen kiss was probably Megamorphs 3. It was either that or the Taylor torture book, the first one. But I can't remember exactly <laughs> where that fell. Tinker Taylor torture spy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know the famous animals book, Tinker Taylor soldier spy torture. Torture Taylor Tinker spy. <laughs> torture Taylor Tinker Yerk. Oh my god. What you know, you know that book. Uh, but we were talking about Endling. Right. This is an Endling <laughs> podcast today, which is basically an Animorphs podcast because of all the Animorphs shit that's happening. Like even the pacing is dead on for an Animorphs book. Like as as you're describing this to me, it's those like slow start chapters where you get a lot of setup, a lot of mm-hmm. thing, and then you just like slam through the last action sequence uh-huh. into like another slowdown at the end. Like this is just even the format is like an Animorphs book uh-huh. for this part. Yeah. And I like I love it. I dig it, but you know. Yep. I don't know. It's almost like they're written by the same person. It's almost like the same authors wrote Animorphs and Endling. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but I think they might know each other. Oh my god. They were comparing notes. <laughs> they were comparing notes. They met up. They talked about how they like to write. And now they're copying each other. God. <laughs> lawsuit. There's plagiarism lawsuit here. Jesus. Hey, you're copying K.A. Applegate. <laughs> You stole my name. You, stole, you took you everything stole my from name. me. You stole my, this is not my beautiful house. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I feel like we're in the car and we're just like like careening into trees and around bushes and shit. It's great. We are driving through this podcast like Marco drives at all times. <laughs> Do you just hate trash cans? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Ow, my, ch- my jaw hurts from laughing. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I was thinking on a slightly more serious note, but not super more serious note? Huh. Is that, like, what if after every book series that we read for this podcast, I got, like, a tattoo of it? Because, like, I have you mattered already on my arm. Uh-huh. But for this one, a really good one would be something about, like, we're smaller still if we don't go after our friends. Like, that would be another good quote yeah. for his tattoo. Oh. Or Tobble in a giant crown. Oh my god. You're right. Fuck everything <laughs> I just said. That's out. I just want, like... It's Tobble in a crown. I just want Tobble's little head with his big ears with the crown on his head. That's... The crown, the ears are holding up the crown for sure. Right. (laughs) You're right. Fuck everything I just said. That's the tattoo. King Tobble. (laughs) Oh, do you want to talk about King Tobble? Please. I've been waiting for this moment. Okay. Uh, It looks like we have a little bit before then. 
But we have some more fucking Fuck! horror. We have some more horror to go through before we get to that. But I was ready to sing. I just can't wait to be king. Oh. And now you're making me travel through more Terramon tunnels. I'm so sorry. Okay, put a pin in it's it. Okay. We can sing it when we get there. All right. Okay. So the Terramon sketches them a map to the foreman, and uh, there's something about uh, Bix thinking the Terramons can communicate amongst themselves in a way that's almost like thurgy. Uh, they walk through the tunnels. A hive mind! Yeah! Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell. No, no, no. And Tobble brings up something about honeybees and, like, how, like, honeybees communicate. And Bix is like, I don't think it's that, but okay. I think it's that. I, Bix? I think it's that. Bix, you're a child. You don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but you you figured it out. You doubted yourself, but I think you're right. Yep. Uh, okay, so they're watching all these pyramids like, excavating the tunnel, and, um, yeah, this is where they're smearing the walls with their own vomit and hauling dirt, um, and even the babies are working, um, and then the pyramids like, change shifts at some point, nearly trampling Bix and Tobble. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's all fine. They talk about the foreman, and they're like, why are they digging the tunnel? And the foreman's probably their king. And then Bix and Tobble have kind of like a little fight, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. So Tobble's like, oh, so we're just supposed to walk up to the king of the Terramids and demand our friends back? And Bix like gets kind of annoyed and defensive. And she's like, I don't fucking know. Do you want to just abandon them, Tobble? And he like grabs her elbow and he stares at her and he's like, no, never. And she's like, okay, okay. I know you would never do that. And he's like, good. And he storms off. And she feels really bad that she, like, doubted his bravery and annoyed him. And, like, she kind of follows along behind him and he's not looking at her. And she's like, okay, I sorry, I just don't know what to do. Like, we need to figure out a plan. And he's, like, not responding to her. And finally he turns around and he's like, we could pretend that we're lackeys of the Khazar and we're here to check on the, the tunnel progress. And Bix is like, I guess that's better than nothing. Um, and they continue on, they reach a segment of tunnel, there's two lines of Terramants standing guard, and they are stopped, and Bix and Tobble tell their bullshit lie about being on a mission from the Khazar, and the Terramants just kind of, like, sit there quietly for a bit, and this is where Bix kind of suspects that they're communicating silently with each other, and then one of them finally says, the foreman doubts your story, but he will see you, so they walk forward, and they see their friends! They see best friends. They see their friends. The friends are there. Their friends are mounted. Their heads are mounted on the walls of this tunnel. <laughs> it's just a row of friend heads and dog. Dog's head. <laughs> dog's poor head. Poor dog's head. Heads poor dog. Oh. So it's not funny. It's horrifying. Um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's so horrifying that it's funny and I have to laugh to counteract my fear and rage. <laughs> um, so yeah, they just see their headless friends and Bix and Tobble just like lose their minds and start like sobbing and holding each other. And as she grieves, Bix starts to feel this very familiar and very frightening feeling. And she's just like, Tobble... I'm going to kill them. I am 
absolutely going to kill whoever did this. I will make them feel the same pain that they inflicted on our friends. And Tobble's like, hang on, shut up, shut up, look. And she looks, and she sees that Kara is blinking, and Kara is alive. And she and Tobble are so relieved, and they run up to Kara, and they're like, oh my god, you're alive, this is great. And Kara's like, get out of here, turn around, leave now. And the others are saying the same thing as Tobble checks on them. But no, they're not going to run away. And they look down the hallway and they see more humans and feel of it heads in the walls. And they are definitely not alive. And there is like a heavy implication that they starved and suffered and died just being stuck in this wall. Like, can we stop for just like a little bit and just have like a nice moment? Why? We cannot. Like, Jesus. (laughs) We may not. Mm. Horrifying. Ugh. Okay, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get into something good. Okay. So Bix pulls Tobble aside and she's like, hey, do you still have the crown? Because right now you're going to be King Tobble. You're going to be a close ally of the Khazar and I'm going to be your truth telling Darren. And Tobble's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm just me. And she's like, I'm just a boy. I'm just a boy. And she's like, just be arrogant and insufferable like the Murdana was. Just like channel, channel <laughs> that energy. Um, so they put the crown on his head and his giant ears hold the crown up or else it would have fallen down his neck, which is adorable. Um, Bix gets out the far near and they walk through the tunnel. They reach another line of terramants. And the terramants are like, get on your knees before the foreman or you will die. And Bix is like, oh, sorry. Mm, belching. Bix is like, King Tobble grovels for no one. And the Terramets are so stunned by this because they just, like, don't say anything. And Bix and Tobble just walk through them completely unscathed. It's great. Um, And then they see the foreman. And I'm just going to read from the book what this guy fucking looks like. Because it is a trip. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The foreman was not a terramat. He was more insect than anything else, but not entirely so. He was large, twice the size of any of the terramats I had seen. His lower body was a chitinous shell with thick insect-like armor behind and an exposed and more vulnerable front with a multitude of what looked like small legs. His midsection was a mass of writhing tentacles of different lengths and thicknesses, some no longer than a snake, others perhaps 20 feet long. His head was covered by a chitin armor hood that shadowed his face. A face that at first looked like that of a natite. And in fact, he seemed to be an aquatic creature, in part for he sat on a throne in a shallow pool. Two streams of water poured continuously over him, draining from tubes in the mud walls. A rope harness held his upper body upright, affording him a sitting position from which he could look down at us from an impressive height. What the fuck? What the fuck is this guy? (laughs) I like, I honestly... Couldn't even really picture it. I can't like, either. <laughs> I'm trying, and I kind of, like, want to draw it out to be able to, like, figure it out. Because I have no clue. Yeah. I want to see some concept art of this fool. Yeah. I was mostly excited because she used the word chitin. And I yes. really, really like that word. I don't know why. Me too. I, I honestly, I got really, really excited over Chitin, and I was very excited to be able to say it. And, 
and like I had never I had only really heard um Griffin McElroy say chitin before and I didn't know what it looked like spelled out so I was like chitin what is that oh chitin I get it because he's a fucking lobster guy uh, oh that reminds me just when we're talking about word pronunciation here yeah um I just want to say for any haters, because this is, you're talking to the originator of the Colonel Colonial issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that you are not saying Czar wrong. The guy's name is Kisar. Kisar. Like, this isn't like, yeah, like, because when you were saying it, I kept thinking, oh, like Czar, which is the C, then Z-A-R. Yeah. But this is like K-I apostrophe S-A-R, I think. Something like that. Uh, I just wanted to come to your defense if anybody's like, Casey, you don't know how to say Zog. Uh, you absolutely do. That's just yeah. not the word yeah, it's like, that's happening. It's like a feel of that word. It's like a made up word. But like, it's yeah. very reminiscent of Sar, like the word Sar. Like, it is. And it sounds like it when you say it out loud. Yeah. But like, as if you're saying it wrong. Yeah. So I just wanted to like... Which <laughs> point that I out. kind of love for as much as I harped on like seeing Murdano for the first time, I'm like, oh, Murdano, uh-huh. murder. Like, that's not murder. subtle. But yeah. like, I do love that Kazar looks like Sar. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do like that because it's like they're close enough that you can make that connection. And yeah, I enjoy that. Murdano's Me just too. not subtle. <laughs> Verdano is not quite the little level of subtlety as Czar Kisar. Yeah. And when I say Murdano into the dictation, it says Madonna. So. Madonna. Madonna. The evilest of all the women. Oh, no. Or rulers. I'm just going to say rulers. It has nothing to do with her gender. Maybe. She's just, you know, just, she's been a bad bitch for years and now she's going to rule over all of Middle Earth. She's just trying to vogue. She's just trying to vogue her way through <laughs> the filaments and the dares. When you call her name, it's like a prayer. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chitin Man. Um, Chitin Man. When he speaks to them, it is hard to understand because he speaks with the grinding and clicking of an insect. And he asks them why they have come. And Bix is momentarily frozen with fear and she wishes she has Kara's courage, Renzo's bravado, Gambler's cunning in that moment. But she is just the runt of her litter. But at least she has King Tobble by her side. <laughs> king Tobble. He is a king. He is a king. God, I love him so He's much. He's wonderful. And, okay, I'm just gonna go to this next chapter. It is the best. It is, like, probably my favorite chapter in this entire fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe second favorite. I don't know. Anyway, it's up there. So Bix introduces King Tobble. He is the senior advisor and uh, sorry, my notes got very fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. King Tobble. Fucking this is where, where we're at. Meet us at our level. It says it says senior advisor and trust in LA of Kazar. And it's supposed to be trusted ally of Kazar. So that's because <laughs> I can type very well. Um, she starts to say, like, just look at his crown. And then she's like, no, that would be a really stupid thing to say. I'm not going to say that. Um, and Tobble stands 
with arrogance and a hint of disrespect, which like I can picture that so perfectly and I fucking adore yes. it. A hint of disrespect is like the best descriptor of all time. It's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's beautiful. Oh. And the foreman is like, I was not told about this visit and Tobble <sighs> Tobble fucking rolled a nat 20 in his charisma check because he's like there's no point of a surprise inspection if you're warned ahead of time. By the way, this is my truth-telling Darren. And the foreman is like, I thought all the Darrens were extinct. And Tubble just, like, refutes everything that this man has to say in the most convincing way. Maybe charisma was the wrong word to say. But, like, like deception check. Absolutely. No, I... You could go either way with this. Do you want me to call my GM? Yeah. <laughs> I said charisma. I think I meant deception. But like, anyway, he's just like fucking slaying this man with his awesome lies. Um, and then, oh, what happens next? Um, he says the Kazar sends a gifts and they present him with the Farnir. And the guy tries this out and he's like super impressed by this thing. And Tubble asks about the progress in the tunnel, and the foreman tells them about it in very, very boring detail. And then invites them to a lavish worm-based dinner. Um, and Tubble kind of doubles down, and he's like, I actually prefer human flesh. It's one of the only things I can eat that doesn't upset my tummy. So, an hour later, they are escorted to the surface with all of their friends, because Tubble lied and said that he had been pursuing them on behalf of the Khazar to throw them in a torture pit. And the foreman's like, there's a torture pit? And Tobble's like, yeah, don't you have one? They're all the rage. Oh, it's like... T- tell me. Look me in my human fucking eyes and tell me that if Marco wasn't a pure, beautiful soul, this wasn't a Marco <laughs> move. I was taking a drink of water just <laughs> Oh my god, you are so correct in this moment. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Jesus Christ. It's a it's straight up a Marco move right here, it right now. It is. Like God, it was just, like, a perfect storm of, like, whining and dining this guy and then just, like, completely kneecapping him and negging him with demoralizing comments. Like, just, it was a perfect storm. It was so brilliant. It, it it was. And then, like, the perfect little umbrella on top of this cocktail was the whole, oh, you don't have a torture pit as he walked out the door. Like, that was it. Oh, that- God. That was the garnish that made the dish whole. <laughs> Water trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was so good. Tobble's the fucking best. He's a king. He's the fucking best. He is... <sighs> Tobble's everything to me. Tobble is... Oh, everything good in this world. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He truly is. <laughs> Oh, shit. So yeah, they they leave the Terramet world with their friends and all of their shit. And Bix is like, Tobble, you are like the best actor ever. And he's like, that's King Tobble to you. And he's just 
the fucking best. Yeah. <sighs> so they use Kara's sword and they get the chains off of everybody. Um, and everybody who's trapped down there in the wall is like appropriately spooked. Like Kara will not talk to anyone and just kind of like walks ahead of the party. Um, and they're all exhausted and they make their way away. F- uh, sorry. They're exhausted and they walk away from the Crimson Forest. And it turns out it was like a weird farm dedicated to providing food for the Terramits as they built the tunnel. Um, and Bix pulls Renzo aside and she's like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm not. I really thought I was going to die down there. And she's like, okay, but you were being burned alive when we found you and that barely phased you. And he doesn't really respond to this and he just kind of like walks ahead of her. And Gambler is like, everybody has something they're really afraid of, and you can be brave nine times and be a coward on the tenth time. Which is, like, another really fucking great, like, concept. Like, another really great line that I loved. Um, yeah. And Bix thinks about how Gambler fears water, and Renzo fears starvation, and Tobble fears mudworms, and she herself, Bix, fears being an endling, and she fears being afraid and lacking courage when she needs it most. Um, and she kind of now wonders what Kara fears. Um, everybody thanks Tobble for saving them, and it kind of goes to his head a little bit, and he starts walking with his chest puffed out, and then after a while he gets bored and then just walks like Tobble walks, which is so <laughs> fucking cute. I loved it. I loved it so much. It's like, it's just like when, oh, I just loved it so much. He's so cute. He's <laughs> the best. He is so cute. I love him. Um, <laughs> he secretly whispers to Bix that he was scared the whole time. And Gambler laughs at him and he says he would be a fool not to be afraid. And courage is about doing the thing even if you're scared. Which, like, another another Animorphs-ism there. Another Animorphs-ism. Ugh. <sighs> yep. Um, they take a short rest and continue onto the rocky terrain. They're really glad that they didn't have the horses for this. And eventually they can see the far-off ocean. And that night they make camp in the side of a hill. And it's freezing and it's raining and they're shivering and wet and miserable. Bix wakes up at one point and she sees Kara sitting by herself and goes up and starts talking to her. And Kara says that she was unjust to Luca. The last thing she said to him was that he was a traitor. And Bix is like, well, technically he was. And Kara's like, yeah, but this time he was telling the truth and I didn't trust him and I didn't trust you. And by the way, I'm not quite sure I trust Renzo either. Just kind of like an afterthought. <laughs> I really liked it, though. <laughs> I don't know about that Renzo guy. I don't trust guy. you. I don't trust that. <coughs> I don't trust that guy either. Yeah. Um, so they sit quietly for a while, and Kara's like, I'm the leader of this doomed and pointless enterprise. And she goes on to say that, that she led them into the forest. She got Luca killed. Everything that just happened to them was because of her. And Bix is like, well, everybody fails sometimes. And when we were in the tunnels, Tobble asked me to lead and I was like super frightened by it. And Kara says that Bix might have to get used to leading and Bix ever asks if it ever gets easier. 
And Kara says, it gets different and more familiar, but never easier. Ugh. And Bix asks her what she's afraid of, and Kara says that she's afraid of failing and letting them down. Bix says that they still need her, and that she can take her time to figure out how to do better in the future, but they still need her to lead this doomed and pointless enterprise, and even if she fails, she will never let them down. Kara puts her hand on Bix's shoulder and said that this isn't doomed and pointless. They're going to find that island, and they're going to find the Darrens. And Bix goes back to her blankets, and she snuggles in, and she hears Renzo whispering to himself, and he says, I like that girl. I like that girl a lot. Yeah, this, he does. This might be my favorite chapter in this whole book. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's, first of all, Jake. Jake. Jake, Jake, Jake. Thousand percent Jake. Jake. Jake all over the place. Jake's all the way Jake. down. Jake's all the way down. My new book, Jake's all the way down. <laughs> Christ. Mm. Yeah. Fuck. I love it. I love it. It, like, this is, like, Okay. Again, I'm just going to compare it broadly to Animorphs. And when I say broadly, I mean very specifically. So, the book where Rachel takes over and has to lead, this is the better version of the conversation that happened between the two of them. Sure. Like, beautiful. But then also, like, Bix is going to have to lead one day. Like, Mm -hmm. I know, I know Kara's the leader, but Bix is the last, like... The last of the Darren, the last, like, the one that this whole mission is hinging on. Mm-hmm. Bix will have to be in charge again at some point. Not if, it's when. Yeah. And, like, it's two leaders, one experienced, one inexperienced, sharing this moment of how big of... This also could have been a perfect conversation between... um Jake and his name is escaping me right now. The leader of the uh of the auxiliary the, animals? Um the ancillary animals. Uh, James. Yeah. Yes, James. This could have been a conversation like between the two of them mm-hmm. if Jake had have had the time and the mental fortitude to have that sort of like passing the torch moment with yeah. him. Like I fucking loved this chapter so much. Oh my god, me too. And then at the end of it, the fucking Renzel line, like... Uh, oh my god. I'm sorry. I I love that. Like, I ship them half as hard as Gambler does, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just... I love that. I... I just... Like... How it says in the book is, like, Bix overhears him saying that, and she thinks he's only talking to himself. Like, she's not entirely sure she's supposed to be mm-hmm. hearing that, but, like, he's not an idiot. Like, he heard them talking. He knows that Bix just came back to bed, as it were. Mm-hmm. Like, he just... Oh, my God. It's... I'm... I can't. I can't. I can't. I know. I just... I know. It's just too good. It's. Uh. <laughs> it's just too good. Like it's so good. It's so fucking good. Oh. 
my god, it's so good. I'm sorry. I like there's so much and like we didn't even talk about like the very first part of this like thing where they're just like still all like traumatized and shit. Oh my god. And like the fact that Renzo was shaken up cuz like Bix is right. Like yeah. he was being burned alive. Like he's been through hell. He's like he talked about his like fucking beatings and torture with like such, you know, such flippancy. And like it makes so much sense that like his deepest fear is starvation because like he grew up like almost starving and stealing food to live. Like it's just it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other aspect of it too is being buried alive or like uh-huh. be like this is your funeral. Like this is the end. Yeah. We all end up in the ground. We're all just meat. Yeah, it, there's... We're all just meat sacks for a term. <laughs> okay. There was so much. So much. Okay, sorry. Yes. I want to know what they did with Luca's remains, though. He was eaten. I mean, that's kind of what I guessed, but I feel like we didn't really get closure on that. I feel like that's because his body was eaten by bugs. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, this is still a kid's book? Just question mark? Yeah. Well, big question mark. Large question mark. (laughs) Well, and, like, not to jump ahead, but, like, they they didn't do it. They didn't have any sort of, like... I don't know, like, eulogy or memorial for Luca? Like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, it's necessarily warranted, but, like, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like there would at least be, like, something. Like, even if it was just like, oh, yeah, Luca was really shitty, but I guess he didn't deserve to die like that. And then, like, they move on or something. I don't know. (laughs) I thought there was going to be, like, something. But... I... (laughs) They're done with him. They're like, fucking, he was a traitor. Feel bad about that? Well, he's gone. Yeah. He ain't getting any better. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Is that a line from Mulan? No, it's a line from Emperor's New Groove. Oh. Hey, I was in the realm. You are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Uh. shit. My God. Yeah, I love that chapter so much. Like, it just... I was just like, Kara! <laughs> like, I didn't think they were gonna top King Tobble, but then they fucking did. <sighs> they're so good. They're, they're too good. They need to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> they must be stopped. Fuck. <sighs> yes. Alright, so I think we only have two more chapters. Yeah. Alright. So, the next day, they travel through more snow and rain, and finally they reach a hill, and they see the ocean, and it's only a half a league away. Huzzah! Yay! Um, they see a fishing village and a larger port city beyond that down the coast, and then a range of mountains that run straight into the sea. They don't see the island, but Kara's just says it might be out of view. Um, and between them and the sea is a road filled with soldiers and wagons. And there's a discussion about the Khazar having more troops than the Murdano. 
and having the Terramance as an advantage if they can dig under the mountains. Um, and Kara says that the people in Nadara would rally for the land, but not for the Murdano, including her father. Um, but the, the war is not their problem, is when she says that. Um, they, they wait for the soldiers to pass, and they get to the beach. And at sunset, Tobble spots the island from on top of a sand dune, and they see it floating out, and it's beautifully, vividly colored trees. And this is where we learn that the sentient islands are called rooklets, and they are basically huge and ancient water beasts that accumulate dirt and vegetation until they basically become living islands. So basically the giant lion turtles from Avatar. 1000%. But it's great. Yes. Um, Bix is just in awe and she can't believe it. And she tries desperately to see or hear or sense the presence of other Darens, but she can't from this distance. Um, then Kara looks at the fishing village and she's like, hang on, there's a lot of really nice horses over there. Uh, that seems really fishy. No pun intended. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, Renzo adds that there are only two boats over there. And Gambler shouts at them to duck because he has spotted a soldier in a green and tan uniform. And that night, he actually sneaks over to the village, and he returns, and he says there's a platoon of 50 soldiers stationed there, and there's no way they can pass through unnoticed. Um, and Renzo's like, why don't we just steal a boat? And Tobble's like, yeah, and I can sail it. Because <laughs> the Wobbix are seafaring folk. Um, so they think that's a great plan. They wait until the tide comes in, and then they sneak into the village. Luckily, the soldiers are having some sort of a party and are very distracted. Um, they pick this smaller of the two boats, it's about 20 feet long, and they look in the cabin and there's some food there, and Bix is like, I feel bad about stealing this food, but then again, I guess we are stealing an entire boat. <laughs> so, so because they're good kids, they pick off another gemstone from the crown, and they leave it in a chest with the boat's name on it for the owner, and Renzo's like, you guys are getting so soft. <laughs> I He's just not wrong, though. This is, like, the third time they've done something that he, like, strongly disagrees with, but he, like, still will, like, yank the gemstones out of the crown and give it to Kara. Like, he's just going along with it. He's so soft. And he's probably, like, calculating the loss every time. Oh, I know! $20,000! Cha-ching! Cha-ching! One less payday for me. Oh my god! But he'll do it, because he loves Kara. He, he does. Friends. Believes in Bix's cause deep down. Ugh, I just. I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, me too. So, uh, the tide finally comes in. They set sail. Tobble is at the helm. And they make their way over to the island. And Bix is really, really excited. And she's trying to think about how she's going to react if they do find other Darrens. And she's like, will I go back to my old self? Or have I just, like, changed too much? Um, Kara kind of- axe conundrum. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. No! Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. That's exciting. I didn't think about it until you said it. Then I'm like, this is familiar. I love axe. I'm excited for this. <laughs> um... Kara comes up to Bix and asks her if she's nervous, and Bix says yes. 
and Kara wishes her joy and satisfaction, which I swear is some sort of song that I know. Um, Ooh. Can't get no satisfaction, maybe. I don't know. That feels like the opposite of what Kara's. Oh. Oh, no, I'm thinking of, of I Will Always Love You, and she's like, and I wish you joy and happiness. (laughs) <laughs> Except way better than what I just sang. That was bad. I'm so sorry. No, that was perfect. Um. Anyway, they have a nice moment. Um, Bix Bix swears that she sees tears in Kara's eyes, but it also could have been the salty sea spray. Oh, ah, friendship. Ah, seas. Ah, water and tears. Ah, <laughs> boats. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, they are approaching the island. Um, they strike the sails and bring out the sweeps. And Renzo has to help Bix with her oar because Kara is too damn buff. Um, (laughs) uh, they pull up to the island just as dawn breaks and like the fucking sun highlights all of the beautiful colors of the trees. And it's just like the most goddamn gorgeous thing they've ever seen in their entire life. Um... And Renzo senses some thergic spells guarding against, like, sea serpents and dragons. And Kara's like, yeah, this whole place feels old. Like, there were spells put on it a long time ago that have weakened. And I'm just like, this forest is old. Very old. Full of memory (laughs) and anger. (laughs) That's all I could fucking think about. Oh, I was immediately like, oh, no, the island is dying with the Darrens. Like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I listen. I don't know that any of this is true. This is wild speculation. But I, I launched into this whole thing in my mind. Like, oh, the island is dying with them. The magic was with them, and like the Darrens aren't there to tend it anymore. So you're gonna lose two great species in one. Oh, tits! You are absolutely right. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Oh no! Speculation. No, it's that. I love that. Uh, Ugh. So this island's like really strange. I mean, it's a creature, but like, here's what happens. So they get the boat onto the beach, and Renzo ties it off on a tree trunk. As they step onto the black sand beach, they notice three weird things about the island. One, there's no sound. There's no birds. There's no like animal calls. There's no wildlife whatsoever. It's just quiet. Um, two, their footprints leave these purple marks on the ground and then slowly disappear. And three, the sand is really, really hot. And it's actually slightly too hot for Bix and Tobble. And they get to ride on Gambler's back because his pads are thicker. Um, he got thick beans. He got thick toe beans? Thick toe beans. Ugh, look at them beans! Big Pete. <laughs> Big Pete. <laughs> I love him. He's a big oh, The best. Um, Bix starts calling out, Hello, hello, is anyone there? We come in peace. And nothing happens. And Kara takes out her sword and she starts like cutting through some of the vegetation. And Renzo takes out his knife and he starts helping and they make their way through the forest. Again, Lord of the Rings. Forest like, of Banghorn. Okay. But, like, also, did you just start panicking? Like, this is a live fucking creature island. Right! You can't just indiscriminately cut this shit. Absolutely! The trees are getting mad! The creature! I mean, maybe... Maybe it's fine. Like, maybe... Maybe maybe the nerves of the trees don't get down into the the animal. 
So it's just kind of like, oh, like, it's like cutting hair, maybe? I don't know. Well, like, they said that all of the the detritus grew on the creature. So I imagine it's not, like, connected to the creature. But, like, in my head, I'm Mm -hmm. still like, this is a magical ecosystem. Do not fuck with it. Yeah. These people, they do not think. Yeah. I was not, (laughs) I was not a fan of that. I'm like, you can't just, like, cut through shit. You can't just right. do this. Just you can't, you can't just desecrate this sacred area. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like a national treasure where they're like, oh, look at this really old thing. It's so old and cool. And somebody comes and just like crowbars it. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Have some respect. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they're destroying the environment. Um. And Tobble is like, Bix, you should try calling out in Darnish. And she does. But the, again, there's no answer. Um, and eventually they cut their way through enough vegetation that they come to a clearing where there's a pool of water with these beautiful, magical, musical, multicolored waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know, man. They're fucking, I don't know. It's just like the most magical place in all of the land. Anywhere. It's the most magical place. Yeah. And like on the surface of the water, there are these like flowers that are just kind of spinning lazily and giving off this like perfumey scent. And it's just like fucking gorgeous. And all of this is causing Bix to feel this some weird memory of Darren celebrating this thing called a Bellin Moss. And those were nights where the moon was like a strand of silver in the sky and they sang songs through the night. Um, And even though she hasn't personally experienced this, um, she remembers her parents teaching her some of the old songs. And when she opens her eyes, Kara's looking at her like, what the fuck are you doing? And Bix is like, I don't know. Um, Gambler says he smells a human and Bix finds herself moving forward beyond the waterfalls And she sees a long stone building, which doesn't have any smoke in the chimney, but it seems well-maintained, well-taken care of. And as she moves closer, the door creaks open, and finally, after all this time, she sees another Darren. And that's the end of part two! Yeah! That's what they ended this on! Uh Uh-huh. They sure fucking did. They did that. Something occurs to me about these waterfalls now in the ceremony. Okay. And I'm now feeling like maybe this singing at this sliver of a moon was some sort of magic ritual. <gasps> maybe. I'm building this narrative off of nothing, but maybe to protect the islands or something. Ooh. I like that. Some sort of protective Darren magic ritual. Okay. But and c- that's why I think the waterfalls do that sound, because the island is alive with that magic. Okay. I was thinking it was some sort of, like, memory preservation thing. Ooh, because when Because yeah. Bix, Bix is, like, having all these flashbacks that, like, aren't in her memory. Oh my god, did they take the Darrens and give them Howler memory? <gasps> that would be so fucking badass! Oh! Oh my god, that would be badass. Ooh, I like that. Oh, that would be so cool. Can we can we can we tweet Catherine immediately? <laughs> but I'm sure we'll find out. 
I know. We will definitely find out. Like, we could also just read the book, but oh like. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That would be so awesome. That would be so fucking badass. Oh my god. Oh my god. That would be cool. Oof. Why not? Oh my god. Why not the knowledge of all of their people throughout all of time? But yeah. And like, maybe they developed this because. I don't know. Maybe someone had like a, a premonition or something that the Darrens were going to go extinct. So they were like, we got to preserve all these fucking memories. Oh my God. And the reason then that, that they can tell truth and lies is because the low level psychic connections all the way around them. Oh, 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 oh my God. Did, ah. we, did we figure out a thing? Did we crack it? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's magical puppy people. Oh my god, magical puppy people. <laughs> Why can they glide? That's the other part of this. Right. Like that makes every other part of their anatomy makes no sense with the glissairs. Yeah. Why do they got pouches? Are they marsupials? Well then they're like sugar gliders and it kind of makes sense now. I guess. Anyways, this this is all speculation. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. We're just making conspiracy theories now. Right. Oh my God, but there's more dares. There's I mean, more dares. Well, it smells like a human. It could be a lie, a trap. Oh no, it's, 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 it's prestidigitation. <gasps> no, it's definitely, there's two more books no. to go on this book. It's a thousand percent a trap. I bet it's a trap, you think? I think it's a trap. I think it's a human and a Darren living together. <gasps> for reasons. In harmony? Yeah. Until the Fire Nation attacks. <laughs> Until the, <Verdon> <laughs> the Khazar Sigdrin attacks. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so excited. <laughs> Until the Fire Nation attacks. <laughs> Shit. The Darren are the airbenders. It all makes sense now. Alex, you're right. Oh my <laughs> God. This is like a perfect like Avatar Lord of the Rings Animorphs crossover. No wonder I fucking love these books. Yes. Yes. Those are like an X-Men twist. Oh my God. These are like all my favorite things. Yes. Oh my God. I can't. Oh my god, this is so good. Why aren't more people reading and talking about these fucking books? Like, get on <laughs> this, you guys. For real, get on this. Like, honestly. Honestly, read these books. Like, uh, it's, they're so fucking good. They are. I don't understand. Like, <sighs> It's, I, listen, after we got through, like, all of Animorphs, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll go read these other books, like, we'll have a good time. But, like, in my head, there was always that expectation of, like, but Animorphs is, like, peak. Like, that's. Right. Like, that's the best of the best. Like, mm -hmm. that's gonna, that's what we're, we're striving to aim to. But all their shit is so fucking good. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I'm. I know, like, we're deep in Endling, and I'm very excited to be here, and I'm very, you know, I'm not wanting to, like, rush through it necessarily, but, like, mm -hmm. I'm so excited to read 
everything else they've written. Like, I'm so glad we're doing this yeah. podcast. I, I just, oh, I'm so Me too. ready. Me too. And, like, I'm just so excited about all of it. Like, and I'm, like, really excited, well, for all of it, but also to get into, like, reading their individual works. Yeah. And, like, really picking it apart. Like, oh this is, God. you know, like, either what they're missing or what they contribute. Or, I'm very excited for all of this. Oh, my God. I need it. Me too. Oh. Me too. And I'm so fucking excited to read Catherine's trashy romance novel. I am so excited. <laughs> the Midas Touch. The Midas Touch. It's, I cannot wait to fucking read that book because I don't know what to expect. It's like so far out of any wheelhouse we've ever read of hers. Oh my God. I, oh my. I'm so excited. I'm like excited, but I'm frightened at the same time. Cause like, I don't know if I want to read a sex scene from our <laughs> beloved friends that we have a parasocial relationship with that are, they're not, I don't know. I mean, I, we've talked to them both. Yeah, we've but like, it's, it's still kind of, you know. No, it, it, like, it is. Like, we're getting to know them mostly through their brainchild, but we have also actually spent like one-on-one -on -one time with them. Right. Like, I don't have any illusions. We are not friends. We are yeah. maybe maybe acquaintances, but like right. barely. It's, it's, not, like, it's not quite a parasocial relationship because they do know we exist and they have spoken to us and acknowledged us, but... Yes. Yeah. I don't want to be like creepy about it is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Still, kind of weird to read a romance novel from somebody that... But it might be amazing. I don't know. I don't know. It might It might be amazing. Like, we may have to reset all of our standards for relationships, which is yeah. going to be problematic with where we are in our relationship life cycles. Yeah. But I'm willing to, to absolutely kick Scott to the curb over this. So oh, no. He better, he better watch out. Oh, no. <laughs> he doesn't even listen to this podcast. He, that's why he'll be, he will be blindsided. But in court, I'll be like, look how early on I was leveling these threats at him. <laughs> and then, and then this is where it gets good. In court, he'll have to be like, I'm sorry, sir. I don't listen to her podcast. And then he'll be like, what the fuck? No wonder. And then it comes back. It's, it's on me. It's good. It reflects well on me. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> For your case, build your case it's, around this. I'm building my case around this, and he'll have to admit to all the courts that he doesn't support me. <laughs> God. <laughs> this is chaos. Oh, just out of control, honestly, is what's happening. All right, should, should we give our emails or some shit? Yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Uh, well, you can email us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or applegrantbookclub at gmail.com. Um, I just checked that Apple Grant Book Club email and nobody's written me there. So if you want to be like Alex Pryor, the coolest, best Alex we know, Yay. you can email us there and be the first one because he was the first one to email us Aww. at Anonymous Animorphs and we love him forever for it. So suck it. <laughs> um, 
you could also find us on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or um, Epigrant Book Club or join our super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. You can find us on Twitter at Animorphs Anon or Cast. Yeah. Or Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous or Cast. Yeah. Nice! Nailed it. Yeah. Also, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're posting archived Animorphs Anonymous episodes on our YouTube every Wednesday. Um, and we share that channel with our buddies over at, I almost said Strong Shape International, <laughs> our, <laughs> our buddies at Cad Mr. Crisis. And you can find that YouTube. We are Strong Shape International. Um, and then if you want to like hang out and chat with us, like, in a more immediate way, you can come join our Animorphs Anonymous Discord server. Um, mm-hmm. We have lots of super fun channels, and there's lots of super cool people, and we all just hang out and and what do we do? Shenanigans, I guess. Um, Shenanigans, and you know what? The Alex P we were just talking up is in there. The cooler, better one. Yeah, and you could talk to him. And maybe every, everything he posts is great and amazing and golden, and we love him. And he's going to send us all salsa in the mail. Yay, I'm ready. Every single one of us. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably like, wait, I didn't sign up for that. I I love making wild promises of our dear friends that listen to this podcast that like we've never actually met in person. And I'll just be like, of course they're going to mail us all salsa. Or like, I'll just sign up Dan to do a podcast with me behind an Immensely high paywall. <laughs> oh, God. So if you want to also have me promise things that you do to the world without your permission, consent, or even informing you about it, then join our Discord. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Just so you want it. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Speaking of my immensely high paywall podcast, it's about... A webcomic. Can you tell me about this webcomic? Is it my webcomic, Beside You? It's your webcomic, Yay! Beside You! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that the ad? Is Casey, was that the ad? That's was the- that all the ad? <laughs> That's the ad about my webcomic, Beside You, which is free to read <laughs> over at bsideyoucomic.com, also on Tapas and Webtoons. Um, I also have a Patreon where I post early pages and work in progress pages, and you can find that at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. Eventually, there will be a podcast between Alex and Dan about one of the characters, and Dan's apparently on board with this. Maybe. We don't know. (laughs) He seems very on board with it. He said he would do the podcast with me. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I can't get over the fact that you were willing to leave it at. We have a podcast with an immensely high paywall beside you. That was gonna be. It. <laughs> um, yeah, Dan. Dan has agreed to the podcast. So for twenty five dollars a month, when you sign up for a year, you too can listen to Dan and my podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, terrific. Well, that's a thing that you can do. Um, What's another... 
What's another thing we can do? Like maybe listen to another podcast that Alex is on most of the time. Oh, I almost said sometimes, I, but you're really on there like all the time. So I'm I'm on everywhere all the time. My resume has expanded. Yeah. Uh, so the first podcast we can catch me on it all the time is uh, Cadmus Two Crisis. It's a Superboy podcast. Which uh, we mentioned them when we were talking about our shared YouTube channel. And um, they took a bit of a break while David created a second tiny David and (laughs) started to raise it to fruition. Oh, God. (laughs) But luckily, the the, uh, new, younger, smaller David is uh, (laughs) apparently sufficient enough now in size and ability that we can now claim the regular David to do the podcast with us again. So, Yay! Cabinister Crisis. It's super fun. So, yes, um, that's exciting. I'm also on a podcast called Horse Girls. It's not about Animorphs, guys. (laughs) It is... It is about the series, currently it's about the series Heartland. We are going to be reading through YA horse books and uh, having very serious, thorough, in-depth discussion about them that is completely accurate to the book. And by that, I mean not accurate at all. We talk a lot of bullshit and we have a lot of fun and it's the best. I'm ready. Um, Yeah. And uh, my favorite part is the quiz segment at the end where I fail horrifically every single time. (laughs) So there's that. Um, also, back to Animorphs, Dungeons and Draken Beams, a D&D homebrew Twitch stream podcast. Extravaganza! I I yeah, I don't know all the technologies, how it happens, but I'm playing a kid on there. One of the, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of debate over the name. We're not the Animorphs. We are just playing in the Animorphs world. That's right. I'm one of the kids that can morph in this D&D game, and it's wonderful. Yay! And um, some people that will rename unnamed want to call us the Humanimals. And I think (laughs) (laughs) that they're the worst for suggesting that. They may or may not even know what Animorphs is because... They do. They do. This is... The criminal you speak of knows (laughs) all about Animorphs. (laughs) Okay, the Humanimals is hilarious, and I fucking hate that they suggested that. <laughs> God. So yeah, um, check that out. That's on, uh, well, you can just look up Dungeons and Dragon Beams. You can look up on Twitter, DNDB Pod, which is for Dungeons and Dragon Beams Podcast. Or you can look up it on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash drop, which is S-E-E-Z-Y-D-R-O-P. And it's fun. Thank you to Those Jess are... for our awesome intro music. <gasps> Yay! Thank you, Jess, for our awesome intro music and the toggle thing that goes... That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that at all! <laughs> but thank you, Jess, for creating it specifically for us and our uses. Yes. Ha-ha. Yes. Ha-ha. Me! Is that it? I think that's it. I think we've officially lost our fucking minds. Yes. At least I didn't fuck up my words as much in the second part of it. (laughs) Honestly, the first sentence that was so unstructured that I actually became slightly dizzy (laughs) was the best for me. Oh, no. When you you were just like, and then he told Kara, and I was like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> like I just I lost all sense of place and time. I put a blindfold. Words had no meaning. <laughs> I put a blindfold on you and spun you around and told you to hit a pinata. You did, and there was not even a pinata in the room. <laughs> Christ. Oh, it was great. I loved it. Like it was do you ever like think like just for a second, like when you get really confused, is there ever this moment where you're like, maybe I blacked out and woke up here, even though you haven't like really moved or anything? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had one of those moments, like maybe this is, maybe I'm finally coming online as a human. Maybe this is life now. <laughs> I've made it. Oh, I'm here no. and I don't know how. Oh dear. It was great. Okay. I loved it. I'm glad you enjoyed it because. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> now we have to keep it in for, for editing yeah. reasons or else we're going <laughs> to yes. lose a lot of context. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. That is if anybody's made it this far. I feel like my, my new resume is really going to drop people <laughs> off real fast. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, all right. I got a bowl of soup with my name on it, and it's not made of worms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's make, like, a soup with letters and get the fuck out. GTFO. Bye. Bye.